you've got Merritt, starting from the left, and then Abigail, and then Jensen, and then Jonathan is the tall one, Skyla is his wife, Jacob belongs to Sarah, and Jared, who is the pastor at Taylor's Valley, which is where my wife is today, by the way, Elizabeth just got back from Washington, D.C. on a student leadership university uh, type thing with her school, and then Levi, uh, who just turned 13 and is now playing eighth grade football in well, that's another story. And my wife is kind of hiding behind Levi and then next to me. So that is my family. I really do have one. Um, ever don't see them all the time as often as I'd like, but occasionally we get to keep grandkids. So that's my wife, So uh, my family. So I'm glad you saw them. But uh, Jonathan, I don't have a lot of dirt on him because he really did make a lot of decisions. Now, his brother Chad and his family, yes, I do have some dirt on them. No, I'm just kidding with that. Uh, but anyway, we're glad to uh, have that knowledge with him for for years. And uh, so we respect and appreciate all that he has done for the Lord. Now you, I'm glad that you are here. The praise team did a great job. Let's give them a, a hand, Alan. Sarah and others did a great, great job. Now I want to talk to you this morning. Walking in Hope is our title. It's from First Peter. You can go ahead and turn there if you want. First Peter, we'll look at that in just a minute, but the first thing I want to show you is something that, to me, makes no sense, all right? It's a thumbprint or fingerprint of something that you can see. I, th- I think you can see it. The little yellow spot, you see that on the fingerprint? To me, that makes no sense at all. You might think in this technological age that we live in, there is a lot that can go in that little yellow microchip smaller than a grain of salt, depending on what kind of salt you eat. It sold about three weeks ago for $63,000. I don't understand it because technologically speaking, it cannot fit anything that we would typically put in a, like a computer bank. And when I went to college, our computer room, we didn't have the little portable MacBook Pro Airs that you have now that you walk around with. No, we had a computer room and it used paper and put little holes in the paper and, and we would have to take the papers out and take, turn them in and I didn't know what I was doing, but I just knew the whole wall was a computer. This is a microchip that sold for $63,000. Then you might be thinking, wow, what is in that microchip? Let me blow it up a little bit bigger in the next slide, and you can see. It's a purse. It's not just any purse. It's a Louis Vuitton, and I may have said that wrong, because I don't carry my purses or purses around with me all the time. But it's, it's a Louis Vuitton, and you can see the logo right there on it. Now, you might think that it holds a lot of technological microchip uh, we'll put it in the side of the finger no it's purse that's all it is now you can get a regular Louis Vuitton and my wife doesn't have one she never will (laughs) I can say that because she's not here right (laughs) that microchip purse You can put nothing in. 
nothing. Yet it sold for $63,000. Now, they're full-size Louis Vuitton purse. They tell me I haven't bought one, but they tell me it goes between thirty-one dollars and $4,000. And you can actually put something in and hang it on your shoulder or carry it or whatever women do with purses. I know that from time to time I get complaints about my wallet, mainly from my kids. Oh, Dad, you don't need a wallet. That way. It's all the stuff that you need that I have. I just, my whole life is in that wallet. But it's not $63,000 worth. Now you might be thinking, what in the world does a microchip Louis Vuitton purse have to do with First Peter? Well, you know, I'm a former youth minister and I can make anything scriptural. <laughs> that, that's what youth ministers do. They, they make it scriptural. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attempt to figure out why. We cannot look at a Louis Vuitton purse and desire to have it because nothing will fit in it. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter. And let's look at 1 Peter very quickly. We won't be very long today, but 1 Peter, we want to look at that. Verses 1 through 12 and uh, stand in honor of God's word. And I'll read right through this. The first part is just his greetings. It was written by Peter. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. That is Peter's typical greeting. Now we go on, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he's caused us, his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded. These things that we have, that you have, that I have, are being guarded. Who are they being guarded by? Through your faith. Through faith for a salvation. Who brings salvation? God does. We don't have anything to do with it. For salvation, they're guarded, ready to be revealed revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith The salvation of your souls. That's the outcome. The salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves. These are the prophets, the Old Testament, old-time prophets. 
It was revealed to them that they were serving, not themselves, but you, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your day. Thank you for this word that we hope becomes more alive, that we can put more into it than we can a microchip purse. Regardless of the logo that's on it, we know that we have salvation that comes through you, guarded by you, tested by fire, through our faith, to your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, you can be seated. Now, what does a purse have to do? A Louis Vuitton $63,000 purse have to do with you and I and First Peter. Well, First Peter is called a wilderness epistle. And it's called that because of the purse. Well, not really, because the purse wasn't invented back then. It was invented today. But it's a wilderness epistle because the people back there were walking in the wild. This was mainly written to Gentiles, not Jewish believers, but to Gentile believers that had just come. We are, as the salutation says, elect exiles, which means we're not from here. This is not our place. We're elect. We're supposed to be here. We're supposed to be here, but we are exiles. We're not from here. Many of you get asked that question. Uh, I remember the first time I was in, in uh, the little town of Holland, Texas, which many of you know where that is. And I met with the deacons and, and I said, boy, we're about to have this thing called COVID come. And I had a 17-page paper for them in February of 19 or 2020. And so I had that for them. And, and uh, one deacon looked up and said, hey, you ain't from here, are you? I said, Actually, he said, you ain't from here, are you, boy? I went, well, it's nice to be called a boy, but I'm a little older than that. But no, I'm not from here, but I know COVID is coming. And I know it's going to affect you and me. And Peter calls the people that are dispersed, elect, they're supposed to be there. Elect exiles, no matter where they are, dispersed from where they are right now is very important. And they are of the elect. God has chosen them to be exiles. The time in which it was written was somewhere in the 60s. Uh, we're not really uh, undergoing persecution now, though we might think we are. Things are harder now than they ever have been, uh, but we know that they were written about the 60s because of Nero's reign and Peter's writings and things that happened to Peter. He was crucified as one of the disciples. He lost his life for the gospel and the glory of Jesus Christ. He and his, his wife, according to historians, she was crucified right side up. Peter was crucified upside down on the same day his wife was. And his, his wife was losing her life. He shouted out to her, remember, remember. Whom you, he shouted many things, but whom you believe. He shouted encouragement to his wife on her deathbed, and then he was crucified 
upside down. We might think we're going through persecution today because things are happening to us, but we're not being persecuted like they were in the 60s and like they were in the 90s during the time of John and the Revelation. Uh, Christians were being burned. They were being crucified. They were being thrown in prison. They were being uh, buried alive. All kinds of... That's persecution. Persecution to you and I, it's like, well, we're going to Starbucks. They got my order wrong. Can you believe it? Well, you ordered Adventi with five scoops and five pumps of, of what you might call it and decaf and you want it, all this stuff. I get it wrong myself. And you want your coffee exactly right. And we can say, oh, I can't believe these people. That's not persecution. That's just somebody made a mistake. We make mistakes all the time. But don't, don't pretend that your mistakes that happen to you is persecution because it's not. Peter was written from a place called Rome and it's called in First Peter Babylon. It was not written in Babylon. It was written in Rome. Rome was often called Babylon as its nickname. And so, we know that the theme of First Peter is separation and suffering. No, we want, don't want to talk about that. Separation, we're elect. We're supposed to be exiles. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be not from here, boy or girl or whatever the case might be. We're not supposed to be here. Persecution, yes, is a theme of First Peter, but also glory and hope and courage. And a future. And like any good preacher does, I'm going to give you four points today. And you can write them down because these four points are contained in First Peter. What does it mainly consist of? First Peter talks about salvation initially in his first, what you just heard, his first 12 verses, he mentions salvation. But he only mentions it three times in the entire book. And yet... That's one of his themes. Peter, an interesting guy. You can fit a lot into Peter's purse. You can't fit much in a Louis Vuitton microchip that ends up being a purse that's sold for $63,000. But you can put a lot in what Peter says in First Peter. Just the first 12 verses. Our reward is sure and will make us, make us forget all of the light afflictions that we sometimes go through. Turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to be there for just a second. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let me read this to you beginning at verse 16. This is the Apostle Paul writing the church at Corinth. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed by day by day. For this light, momentary affliction. Light, momentary affliction. Is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, we don't look at the blown up version of the Louis Vuitton purse. We look at things we can't see, even on a fingertip. Even on a 
fingertip, a microchip. We, we look, we can't see that. Some of you had a hard time. We don't look at that. We don't look at the blown up version. We look at what we don't see. And there's reason to hope in that. The things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. We need to enjoy the eternal weight of glory. We're to be marked by joy in spite of life's circumstances. Now the four things, beginning at verse 3. Number one, new life in Christ. That's one thing that we have. that We don't have to wait to put it in a purse. We don't have to wait to put it in a purse that costs $63,000 or even more than that, which can be used for nothing whatsoever. Yet it's, it makes me want to go in microchip business. I don't even know what they are. But, but I want to sell some for $63,000. Don't you? Don't you want to sell something like that? Yes, but, but we have a new life in Christ that's already been given to us. We don't have to wait for it. It has already been given to us by our Lord. Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He's caused us. Why are we born again? He caused us, caused us to be born again to a living hope, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Did you get everything you wanted for Christmas? No, you didn't. You didn't get everything you wanted. How many of you in here got everything you wanted for this last Christmas? There's not one hand. Oh, one hand went up. How many of you got some things you wanted? Um, many more hands. How many have got nothing that you wanted? There's one hand. Oh, two. I see that second one. Christmas. I, I'm a, I'm like Alan. Alan understands this. I'm a guitar guy. Give me one more guitar. I'm a, I like to go to the range and shoot some. I'm a gun guy. I'm, that may offend some of you, but I don't care. Really? You write me an email. I won't open it. But write me one anyway. It's cool to see that I get some mail every now and then. I want, I love Bibles. New Bibles. What do I want for Christmas? A new guitar. A new gun. Or a new Bible. I got nothing. I got nothing that I wanted for Christmas. I'm like many of you. You got nothing you wanted. What I did get... It's future stuff that my kids will go through, inheritance, and they won't like me at all. <laughs> In fact, they're, they're going to call me names and all sorts of things when, when I give them all the stuff, like the Christmas socks that I got, and the ties that we don't wear anymore, men, right? Our kids are going to have to go through that one day. It's a, the future landfill stuff. And I can either give it to the landfill now or give it to Salvation Army and Goodwill now or let my kids go through it later on. I'm privileged to have, uh, have uh, four, my two grand, my parents and my in-laws. Please don't talk to them about my mother-in-law. Uh, them fight words. 
I'll fight you to talk about my mother-in-law. To hear Carol Beth say, my wife, she loved, her own mother loved me more than her. I believe her. I, I do believe that because she treated me like I, and she had three sons, but it doesn't matter. I was son number four. And I was really important. I don't know why, but I was to her. My own mom and dad, uh, I loved them to death. My mother-in-law and father, I loved to death, but I did not enjoy going through the junk in the old home place in northeast of Louisiana. I didn't enjoy that at all. I keep on my room a picture of my mom and dad and her mom and dad so that when I walk through every day, I remember them. We have a new life in Christ. Do you think about that every day? Do you need a picture of it? We have a new life. And what is this new life? It doesn't matter what we got for Christmas. What matters is that we have what God gave us, and God gave us, you and me, a new life in Christ. Number two, a living hope. Verses, look at verse three and four. He's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven. God is keeping this for us. He's not keeping it for us for us to have to go through because we have received an inheritance. No, he's given us a living hope, number two. A living hope that we have as a new life in Christ. A living hope. We hope for things that we cannot see. We don't hope for microchip purses. Well, some of you may now. Uh, I, I don't know that. I, I've never got my wife a real live Louis Vuitton purse, and some of you understand that. Um, some of you may be be carried one right now. So I need to be real careful with that. But you understand what I'm talking about. God has given us, because of our faith, the salvation of our souls. We have new life in Christ. And we don't look at what we can see and draw hope from that. We draw hope that's alive because of what we don't see. We have the living hope within us. So let's move on. Number three is we have this inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Verses four and five to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In other words, this stuff that we get, what is an inheritance? And when I ask a question, I expect the audience to answer that. What is inheritance? Uh, yeah, no words were necessary. What does that mean? Now, money, all right? What is? What else is an inheritance? Tell me what inheritance is to you. It's what you get, yes. What else? All right. Something that comes because somebody had to what? Die. And we have an inheritance that is, the Bible calls it, undefiled inheritance. 
In other words, God gives us a new life in Christ. He caused us to be born again because of our faith in what we can't see. To me, that's much like the Louis Vuitton. I don't understand that. I don't have to. All I have to do is accept it. I have, you have, a new life in Christ because of living hope, because of things that you can't see, and God gives us an inheritance. That means He he has to die. Did God die? Uh, He sent His Son to die for you and I, and He caused us... He made us, through our faith, He gave us salvation. If we believe in Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. what We can't see that. We weren't there. But we can believe it. Now, that's not the only time in the Scripture that the Bible talks about inheritance. We are recipients of the new life and the living hope. Because the inheritance is undefiled, but when we die, the scripture in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 18 through 20 talks about the fact that Paul, while he's praying for the church at Ephesus, I pray that you would remember your calling. Oh, we each are called. We talked about that last week. We each are called and nobody can fulfill your calling except for you. I can't fulfill it. No one else, no staff member can fulfill what God has called you to do. I pray for, number two, let's leave that alone for right now. Number three, I pray that you have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead coursing through your veins. The blood that Jesus spilled because of the cross, because of him going, caused us to have this new life, this living hope, this imperishable Inheritance, unfading inheritance. Oh, number two, I pray that you would remember that you are the inheritance of God. God gave us, we inherited from God because of the death of his son, new life. And yet when we die, God gets us. What are you doing? That's his inheritance. Why did he send his son? Because he loves you. An elected exile. Because he loves me. An elected exile. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not from around here. I hope. I have a living hope in what I cannot see. Heaven. It's laid up. God is guarding that for me. It doesn't matter who you are. You know, some people are just talented. And some people you can tell are supposed to be there. And and I like, as this former chaplain, I like football. I, I like football. And especially I like when we moved to Henderson, Texas, and I was in student ministry, we were close to White House, about 20 miles away. That is where somebody who went to high school in White House, Texas, Somebody's got to know. You see him on TV every year. Patrick Mahomes. That's right. Went to White House, Texas. We played White House. They were our arch rivals. All right. They they were really. And Patrick is really good. He's playing for the Kansas City Chiefs. Go Chiefs. Boom. Uh, 
Am I in the right place? Uh, maybe you like the Cowboys. Hey, they'll get to the Super Bowl. Give them 20 or 30 more years. All right? And so we're moving. Uh, a little too close to home for some of you, right? Uh, so Patrick is really good. We know he's an all-star quarterback. But on the Netflix series, which some of you may watch Netflix, it's called Quarterback. They interviewed Patrick, and they asked him, what is it that makes you different or special? He said, well, let me tell you about Kobe Bryant. I watched his videos. I know it's basketball versus football. Patrick was quite the basketball player in high school as well. He was a good athlete. It doesn't matter. He didn't get salvation according to first peter because god just bestowed upon him our faith your faith patrick mahomes said kobe practiced the shots that he going to do once a lifetime once in a lifetime once every season he'd shoot that shot he practiced it not 10 times not 20 times not a hundred times, thousands of times. What did Patrick do? He took Kobe's method of training to the NFL and to high school and to college. And he said, I want to be able to practice the throw that I might only do once a year or once in my lifetime. And I'll practice it, whether it's sidearm around the defender or whether it's left-handed and I'm right-handed. I want to practice that throw. And so he spends his time working. It doesn't matter what you and I do. It doesn't matter how many Louis Vuitton bags we have and how many microchips we have. Because of your faith, God caused you to have salvation for your soul. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, one day you will have point number four, a new resurrected body. Because of the earlier things. So let's look at the resurrected body that you might possibly have. And we'll look at verses 6, beginning at verse 6 through 9. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while. All right, if you mark your Bibles or if you uh, underline in your Bibles, circle or underline little while. If for a little while, Paul would say the same thing. He did say the same thing to the church at Corinth. Your light momentary affliction. In other words, it's not going to last very long. You might want to call it persecution when you get the wrong Starbucks, but I'm telling you, it's not. For a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. And some of us are grieved. Yes, it's harder today than it was 20 years ago. I tell the Jonathans of the world, I'm glad you're in ministry now and I'm not raising my kids in ministry. They were, uh, they were normal kids. Jonathan and Sarah, they both made mistakes. Sarah's married to a pastor. Jonathan's vice president of Dallas Baptist University might think, well, you did something right. The only thing I did was what I talked about last week. I prayed with them. Every night that they were in my house. Every night that they were in my house. They left for home. And there were nights that they didn't want to see their daddy come in. There were nights that their daddy didn't want to go into their room. You ever had one of those nights? One of those nights, one of those days, one of those weeks. But God called me to go in the room. Sometimes they would feign sleep. 
feign sleep. I prayed, as her daddy does. And I hope that you do as well, because the Lord's Prayer wasn't given to us to recite only in the locker room, on one knee. It was given to us by the Lord himself. So why do we have this resurrected body? Because of these trials. A little while, we're going to go through them, but it won't be forever. A little while, they're going to be kids, but they're going to grow up someday. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. The Bible is true with what it says. But in the meantime... For a little while, you're going to have some trials. You're going to have some grievances. You're going to have some things that you don't necessarily agree with. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, this is the living hope that we have is not because we see Jesus. Not necessarily because we have, because God caused us to have salvation. Why? Through our faith. He didn't just give it to us naturally. And some of you may think, well, Patrick and Kobe were natural. Yes, they both worked hard. We don't have to do anything except have faith in the resurrected Jesus Christ and realize that there will be a little while that we don't understand. I don't understand for a long time Louis Vuitton purses that you can't put anything in for $63,000. I won't understand that. But I do understand that for a little while God has caused me. Why? To bring praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So if you've not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And rejoice with joy. The apostle, the brother of Jesus Christ said, I count all joy, my brothers, when I encounter various trials. Knowing that the trial itself, the thing that you're going through that you don't like, will produce endurance and let endurance have its perfect work. And that's what you and I need to do. We know that for a little while, according to Peter, we shall have things that we don't understand, that we don't agree with. Why? We rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Why? Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. So it's four things. A new life in Christ, the living hope that we have, an inheritance that is unfading. It won't go to the landfill. And we have this resurrected body because of our belief and our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, verse 10 and 12, 10 through 12, a couple of things about them. Let's read them. Concerning this salvation, another time that Peter talks about salvation in chapter 1, though he doesn't necessarily talk about it much during the rest of the book concerning the salvation the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully what did they inquire they inquired what person or time the spirit of christ was indicating in them 
was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. And the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. In other words, prophets did what they were going to do regardless. There's one word that sticks out to me in those 10 through 12 verses. 10 and through 12. One word. They didn't understand, yet they continued because they realized who they were serving. Who are they serving? You and me. They weren't serving themselves. You know, I had a guy in one church say one time, uh, you said I 50 plus times in this message. You don't need to speak about yourself. I said, really? Well, I have it on video. It's four weeks in a row. I did the I am's of Christ. Yeah, shame on me if I only said I 50 times. You see, he didn't listen to the sermon. He was listening for the word I. I. And the sermon for four weeks was about the I am's of Jesus Christ. What was he really saying that he didn't have the guts to say? I don't like you, Frank. Can you, can you imagine somebody like not liking me? <laughs> yeah, I, this particular man did not. But he didn't have the guts to say it. Have the guts to say it because you believe in what you have not seen. You have a resurrected body that is coming and God will get you for his inheritance. In the meantime, you have been given his inheritance. And what is that inheritance? A new life in Christ, a living hope, and an inheritance that is imperishable, unfading, undefiled. You will have a res resurrected body because of Jesus. Now, why do we have all that? Why do we have? Let's read the last part. Or let's just read all of verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. In the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. This last part is another underlying part. Things of which angels long to look. Now, we don't like to talk very much about angels because we don't understand them. But they were there at the birth of Christ, to Zechariah, to Mary, to Joseph, to the, the shepherds in the field watching their flocks by night. Oh, you remember the Christmas story, but all of Christmas is not going to go in the landfill because some things went in the Word of God for us to remember. Angels were there at the birth of Christ because they were ready. They have always had an interest in human life. They have an interest in our salvation. There shall be great joy in heaven. And the only word that we can use in the English language to say that the angels rejoice is the word party. There is a party in heaven when one soul accepts Christ as his salvation. For this cause I will guard it, God says. I will give it to you and I will guard it. It's there. For, if God is guard, then I want to run behind him. 
because he's going to blow everything out of the way and I will step into the end zone untouched, unscathed, undefiled, unfading if God guards. And God will indeed guard it. But yet the angels, we don't like to talk because we don't understand them much like the Louis Vuitton little yellow speck on my finger. I don't understand that. I'm not going to talk about it much because I talk about things I understand. I don't talk about things I can't see, even though we've been given. But the Bible says the angels, the things that we don't understand, long to they do things about your salvation that you don't do. They do things about my salvation I don't do. I long, the angels long to look at our salvation. Why not once in the Bible is salvation mentioned in the same sentence as angels? Angels don't have salvation. We do. You do. I do. We have a new life in Christ. We have a living hope. We have an inheritance that is unfading. And we have a resurrected body. Things of which the prophets spoke of things that they could not see, that they did not know. And the angels long to see, to look at you and me. I don't know what Main Street Baptist Church is all about. What the future holds for you, I don't have to know. I know who holds the future, right? I don't have to know that you are going to do what's right. I just have to know that he is in charge. And he will charge his, yes, his angels. That's part of his guard to watch over you and me. They long to look at our salvation. I look forward to seeing and hearing what God is going to do through this place. Elected? Yes, you are. Exiles? Yes, you are. It doesn't matter because you have this living hope within you. Hope that Abby just sang about. The hope that we have in Jesus Christ that he will do what he said he would do. Perhaps you're here today and you're looking for a place to join. This is a great place. I've only been here two weeks, but I don't care. It's a great place, not because of Jonathan. In fact, he makes it well. Anyway, we'll go on from there. Uh, it's a great place to join. Perhaps you don't know that living hope that you've just heard about. You can't hope in what you can't see. You, you want to be able to see it and touch it feel it. I'm sorry. Salvation is it's like it camps lots of times or VBSs lots of times. I've had to look at kids and say, you're not going to have the fireworks go off. If you make the decision for Jesus Christ, there'll be no fireworks go off. There's not supposed to be. If God wanted it that way, and maybe God did for you, Jesus healed the blind three different ways. Why didn't he use the same way every time? I don't know. I just know he gave it to us. You can know that you've got salvation. This is a great place to make that decision. If you just want to pray, this is a great place. To begin your prayer life, perhaps anew, to reconnect with God, your prayer concerns, 
knowing that he will be a God of faith and God will do what he says he will do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this group. Thank you for this church. I thank you that we're elect and yet we can see your electness in us because of who you say you are. Thank you for being who we can trust and believe in, though we see you not. Thank you for the living hope that you've given us. Thank you. And if there's one here today that needs to make a decision for you, let today be the day of salvation. We give you praise, honor, and glory. You deserve it all, whether we see it or whether we understand it. We know it's there. You've given it to us. In Jesus' name, for his glory. Amen. Brother Allen. Let's stand as we continue worship this morning.